dystopian Burlington, Vermont. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is Disaffected, the show where we talk about politics. Yes, 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 where we talk about you and your mommy issues and everything that you think is important and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we get it. Let's move forward. Thanks. Brought to you this week with special bitch co-host, George Samaripa. Welcome, George. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Josh. I'm not sure, Siri, you're going to want me here, but sure. Mm, yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for joining thank us. You. All right. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, we're going to do it a little bit differently this week. We're coming up on the holidays. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Um, George, as you know, is my best friend since college, and uh, he's been on the show many times, so I thought, why don't we just have him on the whole show? So the first thing I want to talk about um, Follow along in your script with me, George. <laughs> we should do that. Follow Kevin, do you have a bouncing ball so we can, like, every time I go to a paragraph, a little ball comes along? Because George is slow that way. So, okay, thank you. Um, I want to talk about the robots taking over. I actually haven't uh, rehearsed this part with George, so we're going to see what he thinks live without, uh, without me um, trying to make him say what I want behind the scenes. So the robots are taking over. AI is getting into everything. And it's in everything from word processing software to automobiles to fast food kiosks, everywhere you go. So this week, um, I was working with some writers and we were having some trouble getting uh, uh, getting the right tone and the right flow and copy. And in our conversations, it came out that a couple of the writers I was working with have been using Grammarly. You know, you've heard of, have you used Grammarly, George? Uh, uh, here and there, but not like to actually help me write. I, I don't do that. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I don't either. I haven't actually, I haven't actually used it uh, because I, I do things the old fashioned way. I, I write a thing, I set it down, and then I come back to it and proofread it. Uh, and correct right. my errors, right? Um, but what, you know, I had to, I had to sort of, I had to sell the idea a little bit. I, I said, you know, I think we need to get rid of this. I think we need to not use this. And these were people that had, had used it all along and thought, thought it was fine. And, you know, I wasn't, I actually wasn't trying to be mean, uh, but I said, the quality of your writing has gone down. I've noticed it. It's noticeable. Um, what's going on? Oh, well, I think one of them said, I think actually Grammarly might be, making me introduce more errors than I would otherwise. And I said, that's certainly possible. So let's get rid of it. Long and short of it is um, we got rid of it and the copy came right back up, right back up to the same quality. That doesn't mean perfect, but, and I hope this demonstrated to, to the people that I was working with that they are more competent than they think they are. Um, humans know flow better. You know, there will probably come a point where AI can write something that is utterly indistinguishable in any context from humans. Maybe not, but I think it, it, it likely will. But it isn't there yet. And there's a deeper problem, it seems to me, than just that the software isn't up to snuff yet. The problem is what it's doing to us as humans. So um, let, let me show an example here. This is from social media. It's somebody who was writing ad copy for some kind of vehicle, a car or a truck. Uh, you can't see all of it in the screen capture, but the copy is things like, this car has a better turning radius than most sedans. Also, 
insane stability. <laughs> George, look at that. And you guys in the audience, look here on your screen. Microsoft Word is now monitoring you for political correctness. I'm serious, not a joke. There's a box that popped up that is headed inclusiveness, and it highlighted the word insane, and it said this term implies mental health bias. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's everywhere, right? I mean, yeah. did, can you imagine, did you ever think we would get to a point where something like Microsoft Word was not only correcting our spelling or at least putting a red underlined squiggle and saying this word doesn't look like it's there. I mean, that's an actually useful automatic software thing. But it would get to the point where it is morally scolding us for the political implications of what we write. Well, I'm surprised Word hasn't brought Clippy, the little Clippy character back to like, you know, shake his finger at us to tell us about this. Of course, Clippy would have to be wearing a dress or I, I, something I was like just going to say, it's not, it's, it's not going to be Clippy, is it, George? It's going to be Clippette. That, <laughs> correct. <laughs> but it'll just be Clippy. But it, they wouldn't have changed anything. They'll just put like a hat or a oh, unicorn. And then the third one is going to come in screaming, crying, and saying, I'm Clip and I'm non-binary. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> I, also amusing but less funny is is what this is doing actually to automobiles i read a story this week that tesla is recalling all of the cars they've sold in the u.s since 2012 uh, because the national highway safety transportation association says that tesla's autopilot and auto steer systems are not up to snuff and that they don't uh, they don't sufficiently prompt drivers to stay engaged uh, with the driving mm -hmm. and that they allow themselves, they allow these programs to be engaged in dangerous situations where automation is not called for. And so Tesla, Tesla disagrees, of course, you know, and says their systems are fine, but they're voluntarily recalling all of these cars so that they can tweak the prompts. And I just thought to myself, this is a farce. This is a farce. There's no such thing as tweaking prompts so that they are sufficiently getting people to be engaged. The very systems themselves, the autopilot and the auto steer, the lane keeping, the cruise control with automatic braking and acceleration, you can't tweak these. It's the, tell me if you disagree, George, but you can't tweak these to make to make them safer because the very purpose and the very outcome of the system is to create inattentive drivers whose skills atrophy is it not absolutely correct absolutely correct i mean and each step we've taken to more automation has caused this atrophy it's a slow burn right where people right. slowly can no longer do things that, you know, people five years, 10 years ago, it was, you know, like picking up a pen and writing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's an analog here. I, you know, I, I realize that there are going to be there are going to be some people who hear an argument like this. Well, they're not going to hear it. They they're not they're going to refuse to hear it um, because. It can only la la la. It's only old people who who are out of fashion and they're envious and jealous of young people and just they're scared of the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're scared of everything. So, um, but it's like pilots losing stick skills with automation flying jetliners. 
You know, and that's actually a problem that's been documented uh, with all the autopilot systems. There are pilots these days who can't get out of bad situations uh, when manual stuff is called for. So anyway, um, thank you for allowing me to complain about the robots. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk to you, George. You complain? I know. Is there a way I can tie this to my mother? <laughs> <laughs> is she a robot? <laughs> um, I wanted to talk to you on the show about commercial surrogacy because that's been big in the news lately. And it's surprising to me, disheartening actually, uh, to see how popular commercial surrogacy is. And, and what I mean by that, I'm going to... Uh, Audience, I'm going to give you a few of your not-alls. I don't have the basket ready yet that I promised you from last week, but it's coming. So I can't toss them to you. I'll just have to give them to you verbally. Um, Puts the not-alls in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> or else you get the generalizations again. <laughs> That's a meme. Make it. I know. Somebody out there make it. Print. <clears throat> um, right. So commercial surrogacy, uh, I realize that there are different kinds of surrogacy. This is when um, this is when a couple of some sort commissions another woman uh, to carry a pregnancy for them and birth the baby because somebody in the original couple doesn't have the capability to do it. There are different kinds of scenarios. There are sometimes when a family member like a sister will do this for her sister. Uh, she'll she'll allow her sister's egg to be implanted. Um, uh, so there, there are different ways of doing it. I'm not exactly sure what I think of the ethics of all of it, but I am sure what I think about the ethics of commercial surrogacy. So not a private family, you know, I'm doing it for my sister, da, da, da. We're not talking about that. We're talking about strangers who come together and sign at least a tripartite business contract where a woman decides she will get pregnant, whether it's her egg or an egg from somebody else who's put in, inside her, She'll she'll bear the child and then give it to the couple who commissioned the child. So what's my problem with this? Why isn't this just sweet and wholesome? It's very simple. It's selling babies. It is the deliberate, conscious act with intent to create a baby who would not otherwise be created and then to intentionally deprive that baby of its mother and its natural father in many cases. We are, how, how is this not creating a baby and specifically depriving the baby of its mother? Do you, how do you see it, George? No, I think that's absolutely correct. And, I, and you know, <clears throat> I've, this is one of those things that, you know, along with a lot of the things that you've talked about on, on the show, Josh, and we've talked in private, this is one of those things I've changed my, my view on um, very, fairly recently. Um, you know, it's absolutely depriving a child of, you know, um, uh, for lack of a better term, I mean, for, a, a you know, a normal household with a mother and a father. We do not know. We do not know how children are going to come out um, in these um in these relationships, you know, in, in, in these relationships without mothers or without fathers. We don't know that yet. Um, we don't have the, 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 the studies or anything like that. And frankly, I don't, I don't even know if somebody would even do a study on that. I mean, because 
I don't not think allowed. people would like to. Yeah, exactly. Not allowed. And actually, I think I, the, I I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there. Um, the, oh. We do know, actually, we do know from the literature already what happens to children who don't have a mother and a father. We know that the vast majority of uh, very troubled people all the way from, you know, petty criminals or people who can't get their lives together all the way up to serial killers. One of the common threads you see in this is they come from broken homes. They come from single parent homes, usually single mother homes. Uh, fatherlessness right. is an absolute scourge in this country. Um, You're right. And the latest example um, and is, is Fox News commentator uh, and contributor Guy Benson and his husband. You see him on the screen there. Uh, with with the baby they just bought. Um, and what bothers me about this is not just the act of deliberately depriving the baby of its natural parents, its natural mother and father, but I'm I'm disturbed by the cultural applause that this is getting. It It's the kind of applause that trans kids get, right? Oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't it sweet? Da, 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 da. And even cons George, even conservatives, even conservatives are applauding this now. Right. Well, it's our approved stunning and brave, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, that's what it is. You know, the problem with this is. Pe the people who applaud this or who think that it's only curmudgeons and people who hate gay people or who hate infertile people. You know, because if you disagree, it means you hate, right? We know that now, you know. Right. You don't, oh, I prefer chocolate over vanilla. Why do you hate vanilla? Why do you systemically hate vanilla? Bigot. <laughs> <laughs> say, say, it, say it in the millennial. Bigot. Bigot. <laughs> um, You're not a part of our community. Ooh, that was very good. Um, You're welcome. People don't get it. And there are a lot of feminists who object to this. <clears throat> and they object to it because they believe that it's exploitation of women. And this drives me crazy because here in the West, the women who are doing this, these are not women who are being kept in purda. These are not women in actual patriarchal countries. These are women who are voluntarily, as capitalist free agents, signing business contracts that say, I will rent you my womb and I will produce a baby for you and I will give you that baby and deprive that baby of my motherhood or whoever the egg donor uh, is if it's not somebody in that couple. Right. The feminists, the conservatives, the gays, because the gays can't hear, the gays cannot hear any criticism of gay behavior at all without screaming homophobia, right? Right. This is what bothers me about it. This is selling babies. It's deliberately depriving them of their parents. The victim in this transaction is the child. It is not the woman. It is not the parents. It's the baby. Why is it so hard for people to see that? I well, it's just another example of of, you know, the this ridiculous idea that feminism has has allowed has allowed to perpetuate for so many years that women are just you know floating around in this vacuum i think i mentioned it to you the other day when we were talking mm -hmm. it's like there's this world 
it's like there's this little vacuum and women are just floating around in it and and, and like above it is written patriarchy <laughs> you know this is like oh i'm just floating around i have no agency and i'm just bumping into things like surrogacy and you know <laughs> it's like bumper it's like you know um uh you know uh uh, morally tenuous bumper cars. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, great band name. We're going to take a break here. <laughs> We're going to take a uh, break here. Come back and see us on the other side. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more, and all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back, everybody, and uh, thank you to Josh uh, again for having me on today. Um, so I've been told that this is my section, so uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about um, some things that have been happening in my life here. As many of you know, I live in Denver, Colorado, and I'm a local actor. And um, I thought I would share some uh, news from the local uh, theater community that's uh, that's recently just broken and uh, give you a little bit of context of what's been going on for like about five or six months in my life um, in terms of dealing with what I like to call <clears throat> a serial EDI or equity, diversity and inclusion abuser. Um, who uh, repeatedly does not hold herself to the same standards she expects of others in our local theater community. <clears throat> so with that, um, why don't we bring up the first uh, uh, thing there, um, Kevin. Um, so I wanted to talk first of all about uh, who this person is. This person, Alicia Lisa Young. She is a local uh, theater uh, uh, teacher. She teaches in a uh, public school, but she's also a, a, an actress, or as she likes to say, a black dress. <clears throat> she call, she actually calls herself a black dress. Yes, a black dress and a black divist, <clears throat> according to her uh, socials. I can't see those socials anymore because I've blocked her on everything, um, which okay. is what you should do when you don't trust somebody. <laughs> so um, she started an organization back in 2020, um, right after the George Floyd uh, protests called Ideas Stages. This is their logo that you see on the screen there. Um, it's exactly what you would expect from an organization that's, you know, in into EDI, inclusion, diversity. You can see everything's everything's wrapped up in the pretty little bow in that logo there, right, Josh? <clears throat> yeah, and and um, and this seems to fit it. I mean, I, I can't quite bring it to mind, but 
I, I'm thinking of a phrase. It starts with cluster. I don't know. It'll come to me later. Oh, right. Exactly. That <laughs> <laughs> pick an identity, any identity. <laughs> so um, I wanted to start off with that just to give you some background on, on who this person is. Their mission from their website, and I'm not going to bring this up on the screen, but I think it's important. <clears throat> According to their website, they're a grassroots outreach organization that provides activism resources and accountability for uh, the work of DEI. Oh, and they added an A to that, which is for access. <laughs> um, Where's belonging? Right. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Or justice, because, you know, you've seen Jedi as well. Um, <clears throat> may the force be with you. We serve our membership of individuals, companies, and communities by granting ideas designations to organizations. So in other words, they're gonna go around and they're gonna say, well, your organization is an ideas organization because you hold up our pillars of inclusion within, their pol within your policy and your infrastructure. By the way, if you go to their website, um, and you're, you're free to do that, it's, it's out there for anybody to look at, their pillars of, inc of inclusion are no longer on their website, and they haven't been on their website for almost the entirety of the time that they've been uh, out since 2020, because they're listed as currently under revision. Which or I under construction, because maybe they crumbled. Right, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> correct. Um, but I digress. Um, earlier this year, I was cast in a local uh, production of a, a musical called In the Heights, which was written by Lin-Manuel Lin Miranda, who many people might know from Hamilton. Um, but In the Heights was his first big Broadway success many years ago. Anyway, it's been very popular in local communities across the country for a few years now. I've done the show before. I was cast in it again at this small local uh, community theater. And oh, I didn't realize Alicia you did Young. it twice. Okay. Yeah, I've done it twice. I, I did play two different characters. Um, <clears throat> it was not the grandmother. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> basically, um, the... Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. But, oh. Anyway, um, uh, Elisa Young was actually our costumer, at least from what I had heard. But as the show went on... Um, we learned more and more of things that were going on um, behind the scenes that Lisa was sort of pushing. Um, and uh, there were just a lot of issues that I and several members of the cast had with her. Um, and by the end of the show, which was, uh, you know, four weeks of rehearsal, four week run, um, the cast members, we all got together and wrote a letter, um, basically in response to a puff piece that was written about uh, Miss Young and her ideas organizations. Um, a couple of, of weeks after our show had closed, there was this uh, article that came out in the local paper, the Denver Gazette, hosting an event to demand rehearsal spaces where artists can feel brave and safe. Because, you know, you can't just, again, floating around in this, you know, in this world and you're just bumping into unbrave and unsafe spaces, I guess. Right. Otherwise known as brave. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. Brave. So, um, I, so we saw this puff piece, many of us in the, in the, that were cast in the show and we were like, 
this is ridiculous. They're propping up this person who has done some really terrible things. And so I thought it would be interesting to share this letter that the cast got together and wrote in response to this article in the Denver Gazette um, that we actually sent uh, to um, both the Denver Gazette, we sent it to our local weekly rag. I know every every you know progressive city has a weekly rag. Ours is the Denver Westward. We sent it to the president of the community theater where we had just held our show, artistic director, pretty much everybody that that should know about this and who's involved with this person and her group. <clears throat> we never heard back from any of them. Um, and so we had kind of been sitting on this for a couple of, uh, for several months. Um, and something happened later this year or just a few weeks ago that allowed us to actually come public with this. But I thought I would start with that letter to give you some uh, feel of what's been going on in our, in our theater community. <clears throat> so if we could, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, no, I just, I just wanted to share with the audience um, uh, that, you know, in my view, George and I have talked about this privately, of course, because, you know, we're friends and we talk um, off camera. And, uh, you know, what he, what he's described to me is this is this is what you're going to hear here is and this is an example of cluster B abuse, basically in the workplace, um, because woke Correct. is cluster B. It is narcissism, uh, whether it's black issues, gay issues, trans issues, poverty issues, whatever it is these days. You know, people like this, these narcissistic people get these puff pieces written by them. Uh, so to give everybody something to clap about. But what actually goes on, you know, when the curtain is down is much different than what you see. So, yeah, t take us through it, George, please. That is absolutely correct. And just be before we bring up that that quote, uh, Kevin, I just want to uh, say a lot of cast members who were involved in the show were were right out of college, very young. They're new to this. And frankly, they're coming from colleges where this is being they're being indoctrinated into this kind of belief system. So imagine being young and thinking, oh, you're going to work with this pillar of the community, right, who's cares about all of these EDI issues that they've just gotten, you know, they've been learning about in college, just got out and they're so excited and come to find out that she doesn't believe or doesn't think that any of those standards um, uh, should relate to any of her behavior. So um, I think this was a kind of a wake up call for some of these young, uh, young people. And some of them, even though they were involved in the letter, it was um, anonymous because they're afraid of her. Well, I'm not afraid of her. <laughs> and so um, I'm going to start with this first quote from our letter uh, to the Denver Gazette. So this first quote um, is from our show director, uh, who was Jonathan Andujar. It says, Lisa immediately implanted herself as a major authority in the show, explains mm -hmm. show director Jonathan Andujar. She told me four things right away, that she was the costume designer, the intimacy coordinator, the representative for ideas, and that she was going to be Abuela Claudia in the production. So Josh, imagine being um, a director who is new to directing shows here in Denver, and he comes in and the first person he meets is this person who says, hi, I'm Lisa. I am going to be your costume designer, your intimacy coordinator. I'm the representative for this group that's been working with all these theater companies around Denver for years now, and I'm gonna play this major role in the show. Well, I mean, my, literally, my reaction to that would be, excuse me, bitch. 
I, 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 but I'm sorry, I'm hung up on intimacy coordinator. Could 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 you explain to us, please, what that might be? Yes, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so this is a relatively recent phenomenon um, within the theater and particularly film industries. Um, they have these um, people now called intimacy coordinators um, or intimacy partners oh, who God. come on to who come I know who come on to um, uh, who come into stages or into film sets whenever there's going to be a sex scene or some sort of intimate moment to make sure that everybody's in a safe space, that nobody's doing anything to anybody that might feel unsafe or harmful, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it's mommy behavior is what it is. <laughs> Mommy's watching. Be careful. The That's language is just so is so cloying and and it, it's almost like you can feel an oil on your skin that you want to scrape off like. Ugh. Well, and what's what's really sad about this stuff is people who agree with me on on the, how terrible this behavior is as we get move forward and you'll hear more. They still will use these terms like intimacy coordinator and think that those are good things. I'm like, no, it's all rotten. Don't you see that this is all part of the same ideology? It's not the person. Just because you cut off the head of the snake, another one grows back. <laughs> yep. Um, so um, why don't we bring up the next quote there, um, and I'll keep talking about what was going on. All cast members were asked by Young to identify their ethnicity. She told the cast it was because she wanted to implement something in their costume to show slash celebrate their origins. There was one number in the show where that happened. Ali Chung's character, as well as others, were not in that number, but were still asked to identify their ethnicity. And the reason I brought this up, uh, Josh, is because um, Ali Chung, who's mentioned in that, who's a very good friend of mine, who is a... Um, who's a Broadway-trained actress. She's married. Uh, she lives here in, in Denver. She, this was one of her first shows back in the theater scene here in Denver. And the first thing she had to deal with was uh, Lisa basically saying, what's your ethnicity? Are you white? Well, why are you playing this character? And Lisa actively worked to get her fired from this show because she was not the correct ethnicity for this well, show. Let, let me ask something. Um, sure. uh, going, going just on her name, um, mm -hmm. I would assume that she's either she Chinese Asian? or she is married to a Chinese man. She's actually married to a South Korean man. Okay, because um, Chung but, is a Chinese uh, she, name, is it not? Yeah, uh, I actually, I'm not sure, to be honest. I think it is, but I'm well, not Well, I sure. am. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> All righty then, um, back to me. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I that that really bothered me about this, is, I mean, it wasn't just the idea that she was trying to get her fired because of this. It was that she had, Lisa is a is a really good example of somebody who is nice to your face, 
but is stabbing you in the back at the same time. This is cluster B abuse. This is a perfect example of that. And we'll get into more examples of that cluster B abuse as we move forward. But I, the fact that she tried to get somebody fired because she didn't think she was appropriate for the role is ridiculous, especially considering that Lisa Young herself is not Latina. She's African-American, but she cast herself as a Latina character in a, in a mostly Latino show. The hypocrisy is, out, uh, is outrageous. Well, she's every woman. It's all in her. <laughs> well, and I'm glad that you say that. I mean, obviously, there's a th this is narcissism at play here. But, you know, something that I wanted to say about this that I heard um, just a few days ago um, that uh, James Lindsay said was, it's not hypocrisy. It's hierarchy. They think they're better than you. That's correct. Correct. That is exactly what's going on here. Yeah, you so can't, you can't the shame them. Yeah. You can't. Let's bring up the next uh, quote there. Lisa's costuming was fantastic, praised Andujar. However, in the Carnaval del Barrio number, she was blind to the hypocrisy of labeling each actor as a specific culture. Something that stylistically sounds like global representation, but when adding her misgivings about casting choices, felt wildly hypocritical. It was okay in her eyes to give an actor an Ethiopia shirt who was not from there. Okay for her to play a Cuban grandmother, but not okay for a self-identified white woman to play a plausible role in the production. And I have to say something when it says plausible role, what Jonathan is referring to here is that Ali, who grew up in New York City, who is um, Portuguese Italian descent, speaks fluent Spanish, grew up on the streets of New York with other Spanish speaking people, um, and if you saw a picture of her, you might think she was Latina, but okay. she's not. And it doesn't matter. The point that I'm trying to make in all of this is it doesn't matter. Could she play the role? Absolutely. She deserved to play that role. And she was actually my wife in the show, and we grew to be very, very close friends. Well, that's a very um, good acting job, I must say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fact that anybody believed I was a heterosexual. Yeah, where's my where's my Oscar? <laughs> but again, you note the hypocrisy with these people. You can't play what I tell you you can't play, but I can play whoever I want because I'm representing something important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're representing narcissism. <laughs> so let's move on. Let's bring up, let's bring up the next quote. <clears throat> and this is uh, something that one of our uh, actors who wanted to remain on anonymous said. Alicia weaponizes other people's experience for her own gain with ideas. That's her group. Learning their most vulnerable stories and then voluntelling them to come and speak about it to the world, said an actor wanting to remain anonymous. I hear many other women of color say how they're afraid to speak up and speak out when they think Alicia's wrong because of the backlash or getting bullied on Facebook. This woman uses social media as her bully pulpit. She will post, I've seen many posts where she will call out usually what we call vague booking, right? Yeah. Um, and she will write about something that somebody did and it's obvious what everyone's talking about because she wants to call people out publicly. This is also the same person who will not talk to you face to face about those issues. 
Oh, naturally. I, I want to pull something out here really quickly. That that quote you just gave is a very good example of a narcissistic technique to watch out for. It happens more. It doesn't happen. It's not an in-family thing. It happens when you're meeting somebody new who happens to be narcissistic. This information mm -hmm. gathering they do, um, the clever ones make it seem that they are actually interested in who you are as a person, that they really want to know your story, they want to know your experience, mm -hmm. and they flatter your ego because you hear somebody who says, hey, she'd like to hear about me, she'd like to hear my story, right? I mean, and, and so you open up to that person, and if you're not careful, they are taking mental notes. They're taking mental notes so that they can use it later. This person, this actor, this anonymous actor, really recognized that technique there. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I'm glad that you brought that up because as we, as we move forward, we'll, I'm going to bring up some more things that I think I really want the audience to pay attention to, but thank you for bringing that up. That's a good point. Um, and that's exactly something that this, that Lisa does. She will do this. She will worm her way into people, especially again, these are young people right out of college being indoctrinated into these beliefs. They think, they think of her as a hero. So of course they're going to, they're going to lean in and tell her, all the, you know, all their trauma, whether it's real or not, but all this stuff so that she can just make those mental notes, as you said, in case she needs to use it for one reason or another. And she did. She fomented, she fomented um, uh, discord among people within the cast. Um, and it was really, really gross to watch. <clears throat> so let's bring up the next thing there, uh, Kevin, the next quote. Young, who founded DEI outreach organization Idea Stages, was selected by Vintage Theater's artistic director, Bernie Cardell, in mid-August to... Oh, I'm sorry. Have we already jumped? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, uh, I had already... This is over already to um, the next uh, piece. Can we... Can, can I give a little bit of uh, uh, background before that? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, set it up. Set it up. I apologize. Um, so... That was the last quote. The last thing that we said was uh, the last quote from the letter that we sent to uh, the media as well as to uh, Vintage Theater and, and, and board members uh, uh, of organizations across the city. Again, we did not. We were basically told we can't uh, uh, we can't report on this for legal ramifications. And we really didn't hear anything from Vintage um, or their board. Um, and uh, we basically <clears throat> sat on this for five months hoping that something might happen. Um, well, you know, as we moved on with our lives and trying to figure out where we go from here, um, something happened. Uh, basically, Vintage Theater decided to hire Lisa Young to direct their Christmas show, which is called Langston Hughes's, or which was called Langston Hughes's Black Nativity. Um, so even after getting this letter from us about all of this, uh, all of this abuse, all these things that were going on um, in our cast, um, it didn't matter. They decided to hire this person to uh, direct this show. Well, <clears throat> of course, as this happens, me and my castmates are talking offline thinking, how could they do this? How could they continue to give this person a platform? When is this, when is anyone going to speak up? What's going to happen? Um, well, something, did happen. Um, something happened a few weeks ago. And uh, what happened was um, that Lisa was fired from uh, the production of Black Nativity. And mind you, she was fired a week after they were supposed to open. They actually had to postpone the opening because the show wasn't 
ready yet. Even though the story that they spun was, you know, COVID related illness was keeping um, them from being ready. Yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. Wait, in yeah. what year? In what uh, year? <laughs> well, you know, Josh, COVID is still. I mean, you know, we know from the left that, you know, from what the left tells us, COVID is still dangerous, still got to still have people out there wearing masks. I cannot tell you how many times I've gone to rehearsals, even now, where people where I'll walk in and someone's wearing a mask because they're sick. And they don't know what it is. It's insane. Yeah. OK, so she got fired so, a week um, before the show and the show had to be postponed. Well, and the show was canceled. Um, Whoopsie. <laughs> Yes. So um, a week after the announcement on social media from the theater that this had been canceled, uh, there was a, a newspaper article in the Denver Westward that sort of laid out everything that happened. And I have to say, it didn't make anybody look good. <laughs> Nobody came out of this looking good in my eyes, especially given what had happened to my cast and the fact that we were ignored um, for what we had gone through. So I thought I would pull some quotes out of this Denver Westward article to share here. And I want people to, as we go through this, not just to get the story, but there's going to be some quotes here that I want you to listen to. And when we get to them, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about them because there's some really important stuff to, to, to notice here. So let's bring that quote back up, uh, Kevin. So this is from the Denver Westward article uh, about the cancellation. Young who founded DEI outreach organization Idea Stages, was selected by Vintage Theater's artistic director, Bernie Cardell, in mid-August to direct Black Nativity as part of the company's new directors program for emerging directors. But despite the initial enthusiasm, rehearsals were fraught with challenges, and Young was let go on December 2nd. Well, what I kind of challenges? Fraught with challenges. <laughs> Well, <clears throat> um, basically, um, from what I understand, and this wasn't actually listed in the in the newspaper, this is something I heard secondhand. Um, my understanding was the musical director was fired um, just a few weeks into the show, so they had to replace the musical director. The choreographer was replaced, um, and the choreographer was replaced after a physical confrontation between Lisa and the choreographer, from what I understand. Wow. Um, and if you read the article, there's a couple other quotes in there from people who used to be friends with Lisa, who did everything that they could to, as they person puts it in there, shield her from rumors and things. And, and then when they actually saw what, what was going on in this, they had to admit who she really was. So in other words, they had read our, this person had read our letter in particular and thought everything that we had said was basically bullshit um, and um, had to see it for themselves. <clears throat> and isn't, isn't, that, isn't that the way it is? Isn't that the way it is? People really do have to see it for themselves. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to skip a couple of uh, these quotes here, Kevin, if that's OK. Um, what I'd like to go to is, um, uh, let's see. <clears throat> uh, let's go to quote 3.2. 
While Vintage had planned to produce an abridged version of Black Nativity, the lack of cast members forced the cancellation of the show because so many of the cast members had quit. Um, the announcement was made on December 3rd. The company estimates that it spent roughly $40,000 on the production. And Vintage now faces the daunting task of covering these costs without any performances to recoup the investment. So they were willing wow. to lose $40,000, $40,000, to allow this person to abuse her own people, right? Right. Because that's what she did. Um, and, 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 and again, I just want to say they did this to themselves. We told them. We told them. And not only that, there were rumors flowing around for years that this person has been this kind of an abuser. And yet nobody has stood up to it. And just to wrap this up, I think this is really important to wrap this up. Um, I want to talk about one thing uh, in this conversation. So what happened was after the Denver Westward article came out, Josh, um, we decided this is the perfect time to uh, post our letter. And so yeah. um, several of, of our cast members, including the person who authored it from the cast, posted it publicly on Facebook. When that initial posting went out, um, my friend who's a cast member who posted it started receiving message after message after message, both privately and on the actual public Facebook posting, saying things like, thank you. I was abused by this person too. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about this. Nobody will talk about it. Nobody will talk about it. And what I wanna wrap up here with is um, a really sad story. There was a young man who um, was a local actor here. His name was Rob Riney. He sadly died earlier this year. He dealt with some serious bouts of depression and, and just had some personal issues. Um, many of us thought he was on a road to recovery. Unfortunately, we lost him earlier this year. But it wasn't until all this stuff happened that I actually found out some from some of my friends and actually a posting on Facebook that he'd also been a target of Lisa's bullying. And it had a serious effect on his mental health. He talked about it with friends. And I wanted to share just a short back and forth between some local actors on the cast article posted on Facebook. <clears throat> if only Rob was alive to see this, she bullied him to no end. And I can honestly say, I think she attributed to his problems a lot. There, I said it. Rob messaged me a few years ago regarding some of the abuse he'd taken because he knew I'd gone through something almost identical. I know this broke him. I have no words. Thank you for saying this. I've been thinking of him as well. She bullied so many people, including myself, for trying to stand up for Rob. I'm thankful she's finally being called out. And here's the kicker. I've been appalled at her behavior for years. I'm so grateful to be a friend and was so proud of you for sticking up for him. He and I talked about her abuse pretty much every time we talked. She made him feel unsafe and that he couldn't perform anymore, which I think led to his downfall. I'm sorry she abused you. Love you, friend. The reason I want to end with this is I want people to understand you cannot stand by silently and watch abuse happen. This is the consequence of allowing abusers to hold positions of power. We have to call it out, right, Josh? We have yes. to put an end to it. And as you say, I know it's hard. I know it's scary. But if not you, who? If not now, when? 
can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. We've got a little bit of time left before the end of this show, and I thought George and I would do pick a mix commentary and bitchery. Are you ready, George? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so ready. Okay. <laughs> Just so ready for you. Ready. Um, <laughs> so this week, uh, you may have noticed that Dr. Jill Biden, that is Doctorate of Education, yeah. Uh, put out a tweet featuring the White House's Christmas video. You can see her tweet here, and she says, <laughs> with my broken borderline glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Screw it. I'm just going to get a lorgnette. But that... <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, she... You just get to play Madonna by holding the spectacles. Up I know. Mm. So she says, <laughs> <laughs> she says, as she introduces this video, a bit of magic, wonder, and joy brought to you by the talented tappers of Dorrance Dance performing their playful interpretation of the Nutcracker Suite. Let us see that playful interpretation. Um, are you saying that you're playing video, Kevin? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. I'm sorry. I guess I wasn't clear enough on my cue. Can uh, I want to... Sorry about that. Yes, God. yes, yes. When I say let's see that interpretation, please go right into the video. Welcome back. So we just have a little bit of time left in this show, and I thought that George and I would do a little bit of holiday frolicking and, and bitchery. You ready for it, George? Oh, yeah. So ready. So ready for you. <laughs> okay. So this week from <laughs> this week from the White House, Dr. Jill Biden uh, put up a tweet uh, showing off the White House Christmas video, and she describes it this way. She says. A bit of magic, wonder, and joy brought to you by the talented tappers of Dorrance Dance performing their playful interpretation of the Nutcracker Suite. Let us watch that playful interpretation.
just what we all wanted. A bunch of gurning Generation Z kids disrupting traditional Christmas aesthetics. A playful interpretation of the Nutcracker. That was not the <clears throat> Nutcracker suite. That was not an interpretation of the Nutcracker. Maybe fine on its Well, no, it's not fine on its own, is it? Because it was... Uh, well, I... <clears throat> Well, what did you think of that? What, what vibe, George, did you get from that? <clears throat> Honestly, you want to know what vibe I got from that? Uh-huh. That was, uh, well, uh, to me, it's like, uh, uh, welcome to the Stanley Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Kevin, can, can we can we put that, that graphic up, Kevin? This is exactly what I thought of when I saw this. The very first thing that popped into my mind is that image. Uh, and those, for those of you listening on audio, it's a still frame from the movie The Shining uh, in one of the horror sequences where a guy in a bear costume is giving a blowjob to an aristocrat in a bedroom. I mean, this, you know, okay, it's interpretation, it's subjective, but that is the vibe I'm picking up from this. It's creepy, it's weird, it's a little off, um, and I think it's intentional. Fine, tastes very, but just, just creepy. So here, the I could just say something really quickly about this. The the thing that it, it's it's not necessarily. I mean, there are pieces of it that I appreciate that I think are really cute. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong with it necessarily. Like in general, it's just there's little things about it that are that make it off, like the weird giant flower on the head that just comes out of nowhere. Um, the it's sort of eyes wide me, shut. Yes, very. Uh, the, yes, correct. With this like weird camera following them through. I mean, it's 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 very Kubrick esque, um, yep. as if you know you're the third eye seeing something you're not supposed to be seeing, right? Yep. Um, but the the other thing too that I think is really strange about it is the what I think is canned tap sounds. Okay. It doesn't sound like it's actually shot live. It sounds like they like recorded the tapping and then play, put it in there because it doesn't, it, it sounds weird. So that's, and I know that might be like, you know, tearing apart little things, but it's just, it's just kind of weird. Well, you know what's going on. The Foley artists in the background have got a couple of uh, disembodied horse hoofs and they're going. Coconuts. All right, let's go. Let us go to, let us whisk away on our magical Christmas sleigh to Milan. Um, where we have corporate Karens um, monitoring our thoughts, our speech, and our affect. This sign was seen in the airport in Milan, and it says, it, uh, for those of you listening, uh, it follows the modern trend of infantilization. It's two cartoon uh, girl characters who are supposed to be grown-ups um, standing there at a customer service thing at an airline desk, because we're all baby kids now. Uh, and it says, when you are kind, she is kinder. Kindness is good for everyone. In the case of difficulties, do not raise your voice. Kindly ask us what you need, and we will be happy to help you. Shut up. Shut the fuck up and stop telling people what to do. I am really tired 
I'm, this is a reversal. This is another reversal. I talked about this last week on the show. It's not, when I was in customer service, when I was in retail work, we all got really, <coughs> excuse me, we all got really tired of hearing about the customer is always right, because that was in fact for a long time, an excuse that corporations use to allow customers, not just to not be great, but to actually abuse and mistreat employees. But we've done a full 180 degrees on this. We, it is now normal throughout the West. This is Milan, Italy. I'm seeing this in all the Western countries. It is normal for companies to start lecturing and telling customers how they are to treat their betters, who are the customer service workers. Uh, you know, the customer is always wrong now, and we are servants to service workers. I'm not saying mistreat your service workers, but goddamn, you're gonna put up signs like this you need to put up some signs to your own service workers about remembering how to treat customers. Well, and remembering why they're there <laughs> to actually help customers. Right. You know, and, 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 and really quickly, I also think this I also think it's important to point out point out the reversal of definitions here. They're using the word kindness when they really should be using the word nice. Uh, yes. Being nice to us because kindness is not always nice. Well said. Well, let's have another example of niceness uh, from the front page of the Washington Post. Um, I've tried, <laughs> <laughs> it says, uh, <laughs> this, is the, this is the headline. Please don't wish me Merry Christmas. It's impolite and alienating to assume that I follow your religion. <laughs> well, Merry fuck off and die. <laughs> what yeah, is this? I, These people, they're misery guts. They're joy eaters. They, they can take anything, any expression of goodwill and actual niceness or actual kindness, and they just throw it back in your face. Yes, this is narcissism. This is, but I think this about me, so you have to remember to treat me this way. I'm special. Right. Well, um, finally, um, we, we are gonna bring you a little joy. If these people will not allow you to have joy, we are gonna offer you some. I have the best gift idea. And you know, this is really good for almost anybody. It's a stocking stuffer. Uh, again, Ooh, I find excited. all I find all my good stuff on social media. You were you will recall uh, about a year uh, over the past couple of years. Um, in order to meet equity uh, standards and in order to have proper representation of of marginalized and underrepresented voices, American food companies decided um, to disappear people of color from food packaging. So we lost the oh. Land O'Lakes Butter Maiden. Then we lost Uncle Ben from his rice. Um, because just having a picture of Uncle Ben on there was um, racist. And it was also racist uh, to have a character named Aunt Jemima. Even th now, <laughs> Aunt Jemima, I'm old enough to remember when Aunt Jemima on the syrup bottle had a do-rag on her head, okay? And it was only in about 1991 that they gave her the short curled perm, the suburban lady perm. Right. The Marla Gibbs hair the they pearl, gave her the pearl with earrings. the pearl earrings. 
Um, like you well, were just over at grandma's for Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that they're all gone, uh, we've got a new one for you. This one uh, is brought to us by um, everyone's favorite tranny, Millen Dulvaney, and it's Ain't Vagina <laughs> Original Syrup. <laughs> I, wait, I have to. <laughs> well, first of all, two things. One, it should say ain't vagina. <clears throat> I mean, but number two, <laughs> I think the most hilarious thing about this is ain't vagina. 16 ounce jumbo size. Excuse me. Oh my God, I'm choking. Um, I, I wasn't able to get a picture for you, so I'll just describe to you this is not the only variety available. This is um, also sold in new Taint Vagina for light loafer gentlemen, and it's available wherever intimate syrups are sold. Ask for it in your grocer's dildo case. And that has been Disaffected. We'll see you next week.